This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Friday, 14th of July, 2023, and we have a market extending aggressively uh, higher yesterday. The S&P posting a strong advance, the NASDAQ 100 even stronger advance. And yeah, it's a, an extension off of that CPI number, of course, the day before yesterday. And uh, some further data yesterday, relatively benign, the PPI coming in lower for uh, June for the U.S. and a benign weekly jobless claims number. Um, that just sort of helps the entire picture. And, of course, resulting in Treasury yields going lower still, 10 basis points or so along most of the curve. And that takes that 10-year back into the range, the range that was the sort of resistance area on the way up. Uh, that 10-year benchmark area was around 3.85 plus percent. And uh, now we're back uh, well below that. So uh, market taking encouragement, hoping for this uh, sort of no landing, disinflationary nirvana, as we called it yesterday. You can see the basket performance there on slide two of our equity theme baskets. Really strong bubble stocks, e-commerce, green transformation, energy storage over the last week. Even if we've seen some quite quite a bit of divergence uh, on the, the day yesterday. So, uh, yeah, here we are with this incredible rally straight into earnings season. Of course, the weak dollar helping financial conditions and risk sentiment as well. As you can see, rolling forward to slide three with that uh, huge dollar-yen move, uh, a lot of that driven on, of course, the drop in yields uh, and the, the CPI print. The sense that also Japan may be looking to tweak its policy already here in July, and that just would be an incredible divergence story with the market pricing out, uh, further Fed hiking, not so much that, actually starting to price in those Fed rate cuts for next year again, uh, and then the Bank of Japan potentially tweaking, some further noise on that overnight, a lot of speculation in the media. There was a long Reuters article on that, but as well, an ex-BOJ uh, official talking about the need to potentially tweak policy, especially on the yield curve control side of things at the July 28th uh, announcement. And you can see the incredible trend readings we're seeing on the FX board there, that, that minus 7.2 for the dollar. Uh, the yen still relatively flat, and that's to me a little bit of a shocker here. So it's the dollar taking so much of the brunt of this, and to my mind, uh, just looking uh, elsewhere, if the Bank of Japan is set to move, if we are set to sort of further uh, flatten out our expectations for central banks, maybe those currencies that have been bulled up so much on the anticipation of further tightening, for example, the euro and sterling, uh, those could be more compelling trades. And, and as I mentioned recently from a positioning angle uh, as well, as we've built some strong positions as well. Uh, and a well, further thought on top of that, Look for a slide four. There was a great tweet from uh, Robin Brooks of the IIF uh, with some great perspective on where the euro is. So you can look at a long-term euro dollar chart and say, "Wow, we could we could you know easily go to 120 uh, plus and still be within range uh, of the last uh, let's call it eight years or so." Um, the euro is not particularly expensive, but it's important to think of currencies in trade-weighted terms. And when we look over in Asia, especially the Chinese renminbi, where it is, and also the Japanese yen. The euro is trading at trade-weighted all-time highs. Um, a very remarkable fact that, that it needs to be brought into consideration here. And maybe a bit of caution for, for European equity investors uh, as well. And I wouldn't be surprised to start seeing this getting some consideration in the ECB uh, guidance from here, as long as we're getting directionally the right sort of CPI uh, and inflation developments from here. 
Uh, a pretty long intro, to say the least there, Oli. You're in the studio uh, with me today. And uh, FX has really been a huge focus uh, for markets uh, together with, uh, well, there's been a hell of a lot going on in all markets. But FX has seen a lot of volatility uh, together with equities uh, and to a degree rates. But uh, what's moving and shaking in the commodities market? It's a little bit more muted over in your space, I suppose, a little bit still on the uncertainties around China being one key factor. Absolutely, but uh, generally it is, it is the best week in five, as you can see here on uh, slide slide five. Um, we have uh, seen some broad gains, but uh, um, if you at the same time just look at the, the, how much the dollar has fallen in the same time, uh, quite a bit of this gain, these gains are are down to the the, the weaker dollar. So obviously that uh, that raised some perhaps some short term concerns if the if that dollar if we run into some short covering in the, in the dollar in the short term, but uh, but generally. A strong week, and it's it's just continuation of uh, of the recovery that we've seen since uh, June. And uh, I just highlighted one of these ETFs tracking the Bloomberg Commodities Index, and you can see it's starting to uh, to uh, to poke here at some interesting levels. So uh, one most certainly to 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 look out for. But there are some individuals um, drivers as well. And if you take a look at the crude oil market on on slide six. We had that breakout early in the week. That's obviously triggering, triggering some uh, some fresh momentum buying. Uh, we're now looking in, uh, looking at the uh, 200-day moving average, which is getting fairly close. That's the level, next level of uh, resistance. The same thing goes for WTI, where we also have 200-day uh, moving average getting close to uh, to uh, uh, to become into fruition. But um, what we've seen there is basically a shift. Um, the market has been very much concerned about demand in uh, recent months and weeks, and now I would say during the past couple of weeks, it's really shifted away from demand concern to supply concerns, and that was really confirmed uh, or, ex- uh, or increased uh, as well this week by the uh, from the uh, oil market reports that were released from OPEC, IEA, and EIA. They are all sticking to their guns, looking for a robust demand growth this year. We know that most of that is going to unfold during the second half. And if that happens at a time where Saudi Arabia and Russian production cuts are starting uh, to be having an in, start to be felt, then clearly the price will be in a much uh, better place uh, to move higher than we've seen uh, seen earlier. So, um, so look for. Um, I, I don't see we're going to break higher, but uh, at least we're going to consolidate. Uh, Looks like we consolidate now at around above that seventy-eight and fifty level. Yeah, and then over in the metal space, you know, we we want to see uh, if there is no landing, then maybe we're going to see. At least some sort of growth pickup, at least in some of the key engines of the global economy, one of those being China. And we always look to China when we're talking, especially industrial metals. Um, trying to perk up, I imagine, just some, some contagion across the commodity space. Um, but still, we just we just need to see a technical development there. And it's on the copper chart, looking at slide seven there. Yeah, you can see we we just completely triangulating, triangulating, triangulating. Yeah, exactly. We just boxed in here. We 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 moved back above the two hundred day moving average, which has been a little bit of a uh, an area that the market's been been uh, focusing on uh, recently, both uh, when breaking high and when breaking lower. But we're back above, and uh, we're getting close to some interesting levels uh, up towards the four dollar level. But uh, yeah, it's 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 difficult to um, to. The reason why COP, I would say, has been so resilient despite the disappointment we've seen come out of uh, China and also just a general global uh, growth, uh, whereas it's really the uh, looking at uh, the, the stock levels, they are not impressive. 
Uh, we've just seen uh, a 10th consecutive weekly stock draw, down 10 tons uh, last week. It's the lowest since last December, and we uh, and December low was uh, the lowest in, 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 in more than a decade. So um, it's not as if uh, inventory levels are building uh, right now because of uh, low activity. So, um, so I just ask, the, basically, we can have to ask the question, what happens if we do see a, a recovery? Then uh, what will happen to these, uh, these stock levels? So... Um, yeah, the underlying support for copper, I almost certainly say, remains at this stage. And silver is sort of the in-between metal between copper, which it's associated with in terms of industrial demand and, and on the mining side. And then the, there's the precious metal side. Um, boy, the energy level and speculation I, I'm seeing on your chart there on slide eight is just uh, is not there. And mm. Maybe something could wake up this market. Exactly. And uh, what we have to remember with silver, the, the three main drivers for silver is gold, it's a dollar, and it's industrial metals, say copper. And uh, this week, well, all three have been pointing in the right direction for silver, and that basically drives it up 7.5%. And we are now back to uh, some uh, getting close to some key levels here above $25. Uh, this, this is a downtrend from the uh, near $50 peak that we had uh, more than 12 years ago. Uh, so uh, it will be interesting to see how how it be performs here in, in the short term. And as you mentioned, John, looking at how speculators have been involved in silver, they have really not been... Been, uh, they've been treating it pretty lukewarm. So the, the net long there is, is very small, uh, basically meaning that if we do get some additional upside momentum, then there's quite a bit of catching up to do in, in terms of getting the position right. So uh, one to look out for, but as, uh, as I said, uh, the start of this commodity section, just, just a bit of, just a word of caution, quite a bit of the increases, I'll say, especially some of the metals here. Uh, gold, for instance, is up less than what the dollar is down this week. And that doesn't really signal much in terms of strength. It's more just being dragged uh, along by the weaker dollar. So we're just so in the short term, I think we need to break above that 1980 area for for that to get its uh, get a life on its own. Until then, it, it would be somewhat exposed to uh, to movements in the dollar, and and uh, yeah, the risk of some short covering there obviously exists. Right. <clears throat> okay. And uh, as well, there's an angle on the gold via the Bank of Japan. When you have a central bank that's net tightening, that's that's bad news for, for on, on the real real rate side for, for that story. At least the yen specific part of the gold story. That's true. That's true. And uh, and it's just generally the, uh, the, the 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 funding cost is gold is just like some of the other metals are in in quite a bit of a contango simply because the funding cost is 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 something that we take into into consideration with with yields not anymore a one year funding cost no longer being one percent but uh, closer to five right in the U.S. at least. Yes. And uh, switching over to the U.S., we have the big U.S. banks coming in today with their earnings uh, during the session, as far as I could tell, for Wells Fargo. Again, the more Main Street focus there versus J.P. Morgan Chase, which has the complete portfolio and especially heavy on – well, also heavy on the investment banking side. So interesting to hear what they say. Uh, Citigroup as well, of course, uh, on that list in today's earnings watch slide there on slide nine. Uh, if I didn't mention at the top of the podcast, the PepsiCo earnings were, were quite positive. The, the earnings and guidance there, although this is uh, snack food, mostly, you know, what what is the cyclical implications there? But it's a positive story, and and of course, it suggests that the consumer, at least uh, for those types of consumption items, is still ticking right along. And then I have the overview next week. Lots of banks reporting, and I think it's quite interesting to see the full picture of banks, not just the really big ones, but also these regional ones and, and this uh, issue of funding costs and how are they faring here uh, as we look forward. I mean, if you look at that XLF, the um, ETF of financial services company that I posted there, the five-year chart on slide nine, it's not been a particularly impressive rally relative to where we have been. 
uh, compared with other corners of the market. And then we start working into the more uh, interesting stuff for the speculative space, uh, starting Wednesday, of course, with the the big one, the the big Kahuna Tesla itself, but also ASML, the Dutch uh, lithography equipment maker for that is key for all the high end chips. Uh, Netflix, which has been a really high flyer. I'm curious about IBM as well. Uh, normally a pretty staid uh, company, but there was supposedly, uh, or not supposedly, but there was a story that they're beginning to use their own chips for AI uh, purposes. So if there if there is an AI angle there, there could be a lot more volatility than one might expect from, from IBM. So just uh, an unusual one to flag there. Thursday, TSMC, and there's the names go on there on slide nine. And of course, the week after this, uh, I believe is the really big one with the the really big mega caps, uh, the other really big mega caps reporting. Finally, uh, the macro calendar slide, slide ten. We don't have much on the calendar today. There is a Fed voter out speaking. Uh, Waller, I think, pretty typical of what we're hearing. He's a very hawkish uh, on balance uh, Fed a member of the Board of Governors out yesterday saying, oh, we need at least two hikes. But, well, that second hike, well, it depends on inflation. So it, you just don't get a full full message. The market is fully uh, focused on incoming data and not really caring what the Fed uh, is saying unless they actually would reach for the lever and hike 50 point basis points or all, all of a sudden at some point here. So um, I, I'm not expecting Fed officials to move the needle much here. Preliminary July, University of Michigan sentiment report. And next week, shaping up with a couple of very interesting data points. Uh, U.S. retail sales is quite interesting, but really I think it's that U.K. June CPI. That is a massive one for sterling after those two prints in a row where we saw new highs for the cycle and core CPI. Are we finally seeing this uh, data series calming, coming down? Sterling positioning is very heavily long. We've seen a tremendous move uh, with crazy uh, extension in terms of uh, momentum on things like uh, the sterling versus U.S. dollar chart. So a big, a big, big day for sterling next Wednesday and a very big day on Friday with the Japanese national CPI data. If it continues uh, the strong trend it's been on recently, could be some ongoing speculation into the Bank of Japan meeting the next Friday. And that's a big week for, uh, for central banks with the FOMC, ECB, and Bank of Japan lined up like ducks in a row Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of that week. So interesting days ahead. We've got volatility in terms of moves uh, quite high, but volatility in terms of uh, you know implied volatility not particularly high if you have a look at the VIX. Uh, it's a Friday. Sometimes uh, Fridays you see a bit of consolidation going to the weekend. Let's see. But uh, stay careful out there. Have a great weekend. And we'll be back next week with a Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.